John Bach McMaster, biographer of Daniel Webster and author of A Massive History of the United States, called Washington an unknown man. And the Harvard historian Edward P. Channing said of him, No more elusive personality exists in history. Among the many works he consulted in writing this book, James A. Crutchfield was particularly impressed by George Washington, The Image and the Man by W. E. Woodward, biographer of Tom Paine and Lafayette. One of the valuable statements Woodward made, Crutchfield says, is that the key to understanding Washington is to remember him not as the flawless hero of our national beginnings, but as the American common denominator, the average man deified and raised to the nth power. This observation is important in my interpretation. Crutchfield, author of many books on American history, says that in many ways Washington was an ordinary man thrust into extraordinary circumstance. Unlike most of his peers, he began his career without the benefit of a university education, yet over the years elevated himself from relative anonymity as a surveyor and minor landowner to lead the 13 American colonies through five years of grueling war to independence from British rule. After his first great victories at Trenton and Princeton, Washington was elevated to the role of national hero, so revered by the end of the war that Crutchfield says some of his generals urged him to install himself as king over the loosely confederated Union, an idea he looked upon with abhorrence, calling the very thought painful. Nor would he consider standing for a third term as president. He knew he had done what he could and that others needed to step forward. He meant what he wrote in his farewell address. I anticipate with pleasing anticipation that retreat in which I promised myself to realize without alloy. Among his common man attributes was a keen common sense. Even so, as this book makes clear, Washington's commonness could be misleading. He was reticent, not much of a reader beyond the Bible and Alexander Pope's works, nor was he an eloquent speaker or easy conversationalist. But he possessed a quick mind, an eagerness to learn, and had what many said was an uncommonly majestic and commanding presence. These attributes ensured his comfort in any company, from geniuses like his Secretary of State Thomas Jefferson to aristocrats like the Marquis de Lafayette, perhaps his closest confidant during the war, foreign dignitaries and common soldiers. Crutchfield's treatment of Washington the soldier from his service as militia officer in the French and Indian War through his command of the Continental Army is even-handed. With no schooling or experience in the art of war, as had such formidable contemporaries as Napoleon and the Duke of Wellington, the Virginian was never a great strategist or tactician, Instead, he grew along with his responsibilities, learned from his mistakes, and had as integral to his character the patience and doggedness required for victory. He held his ragtag army together against all odds, sought battle at Long Island, Princeton, Brandywine, and Yorktown, but was not afraid to withdraw from the field when necessary to regroup and fight another day. Above all, he had foresight— the ability to see that there would be a time of peace after a time of revolution, and to ponder on the problems of the nation in larger terms than the day's battle.
Later, Washington's ability to see the bigger picture served him well, the author says. He would say that government is not reason, it is not eloquence, it is force. Like fire, it is a dangerous servant and a fearful master. Out of this belief, he provided the clear-headed guidance to steer the proceedings of the Constitutional Convention and twice serve as president to assure that the new United States would develop the sound foundations required to thrust itself upon the world stage. The life of the husbandman of all others is the most delectable, Washington wrote. It is honorable, it is amusing, and with judicious management, it is profitable. And so after eight years in war and eight as president, in 1797 he returned to his beloved Mount Vernon, his 8,000-acre plantation in Fairfax County, Virginia.